right. Well, I want to welcome you, whether you join us in person or maybe you're watching online. So good to have you with us. And also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, to look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry right here at Northwest Ohio, throughout our country, even in the country of Belize in the Belize Central Prison. We love you. We're so honored to have you a part of our church. Come on, D-Town. Help me welcome my church family today. So good. Well, we are continuing our Sizzlin' Summer series today where we're hearing from different communicators who are bringing in a fresh word to the house, and we have had an amazing time thus far, and today we are so excited and honored to have Meredith Ryburn, Pastor Meredith from Cornerstone Church in Toledo, Ohio. Her and her husband, Phil, uh, do an incredible job. We love them. We love their family. Uh, me and Pastor Justina, we do life with them, and uh, I think one of the many things we love about them is how they love God, they love God's house, and they love God's people, and so we, uh, we had uh, Pastor Meredith down for the women's conference uh, a few months ago, and she, uh, she lit the house on fire, and we said, girl, can you come back on a Sunday morning, and she was gracious enough to come back today, and so would you do me a favor and stand to your feet, because we believe in honor around here, and help me give an experienced church welcome to Pastor Meredith Ryburn. So good. Thank you, Pastor Kyle, and that is more than enough for me, but I wonder, experienced church, before you sit down, can we just give one more shout to Jesus this morning? Can we just give it up for the King of Kings? Can we celebrate that some people made a public declaration today? That, come on, I think it's worth a louder applause than that. You're gonna have to get rowdy with me this morning and say that, God, you are worthy and you are magnified and we have committed our lives to you. And we came here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to say that Jesus Jesus, you are worthy and you are awesome and you are holy in this place. And if you are new today and this is your first time in here, I promise you, you want to get back and come when your pastors are here. But I also promise you, it's worth just jumping all the way in, getting loud and being like, I don't really know what's going on, but everybody else is clapping. So I'm going to start clapping too. Just get into it and you will find yourself in the midst of some of the best people you will ever meet in your entire life. What a privilege it is for me to be here today. You can be seated right where you are this morning. Pastor Kyle, thank you for the words that you said. I want you to know, church, that I think you have some of the most incredible leaders in the entire nation. I think that they have hearts and passion for people. Phil and I are so honored to be connected to them and to be serving in this area, in this region, alongside them. And if you're visiting or if you're like in church a lot and you're like, oh my gosh, he just like gassed her up and now she's gonna gas them up. Like, what's the deal here? It's because what he said is true. Honor is the currency of the people of God. And let me tell you that when you honor others, when you honor your leaders, it will unlock something that God has placed on the inside of them that you otherwise won't have access to. Don't ever get lazy and don't ever get leaned back and, and complacent in honoring these incredible leaders that God has given you. What you sit in right now is the work of the, their hands that God gave them to do because they have continued 
continually sacrificed for the house of God, the times that they have said no to things that they would rather be at or places they would rather be to show up for you and to make sure that there is a work in this region. They deserve an incredible amount of honor. Will you put your hands together this morning and celebrate these leaders with me? I love you and I'm so honored that you would invite me into this place. I actually felt like as I was praying and preparing for this that God gave me a word for the two of you that I was hoping God would allow me to share with you this morning. I felt like the Holy Spirit said it was, it was a good time to do it. The truth is I thought it was maybe my message for everyone and I kept trying to go back to it, but it, it wouldn't turn into a message, but I just kept hearing the same thing. And then finally I decided to ask the Holy Spirit what was going on. And he said, it's because that's for Pastors Kyle and Justina. It's not the message for the whole church, although it's yours as well, because if it's your leaders, it's yours. And I think there's a lesson in that, because if you're multi-gifted, sometimes you're not sure which gift. God, you have to learn, God, what gift are you speaking to me? And I was trying to get God to speak to me in my preaching gift, and he was like, that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to speak to you in your prophetic gift. And the word that I heard over your life is that there's a season of acceleration coming over your life. And I kept thinking of Jehu in Scripture. And remember when Jehu goes and they anoint Jehu and they say, hey, now is the time. And I love it. It says that Jehu takes off driving. And it actually says he takes off driving in a way that when they see him coming, somebody says, that looks like Jehu because he drives furiously. And the thing about it is that Jehu finally got released to take out the thing that he had been waiting and waiting and waiting for. And what I felt like God's speaking is that there are some things that you've been waiting to go after. There are some things that you've been waiting to tackle, some things that you've been waiting to take down, saying, God, I see this holding on to your people and I see this captivating your people. And you've just been waiting for that moment. And I felt like I, my sensing was that it's getting ready to be the season of release to go after those things. And so I just wanna speak after you to drive after it and to run after it with all of your passion and with all of your fury. Drive furiously after. This isn't the season for organization and for putting everything. This is the season to just throw everything, release the reins and go after the thing that God is saying is yours. And so God, we agree with it and we believe it. We say we can't wait to see what you will do. We speak your grace and your anointing over these leaders, Father God. We speak your hand of protection over them and their family and we say everything that you have given them to do would be accomplished in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 How good is that church? And I think you should just take hold of that and keep that in your prayers. Uh, part of what I love about these two is that they lead together and you get to benefit from that every single week. And my husband and I get to do the same, but to be honest, it's not something that happens everywhere. And that's no shame on other people. It's just how God has uniquely fitted us together. And so I would love to introduce you to my family. I think we've got a picture here. This is the crew that is back up the road in Toledo. I know, aren't they good looking? Come on. So we've got the littlest guy right there, all snuggled up, is our youngest son, Winston, who is three years old now. There right in front of me is our son, Theodore, who is seven years old and is running around here somewhere, but he's cut his hair and he looks so much bigger now than he does in this photo, but he got to come down with me today. And then my little cheeser over there is our middle guy, Lincoln, who is now four years old. And that handsome Australian right there is my husband 
husband, Phil, who is preaching back at our church today and is just the biggest champion and celebrator of supporting the things that God has put in my life. And I'm so grateful for him. And I could not do what I do without him. And I just want to ask you, anytime you think of us or those little faces pop in your mind to say a prayer for us, because we believe we are in the midst of what God has graced us and given us to do, but it doesn't come without worries and it doesn't come without effort. And so we would just pray that his grace would continue to rest on our lives. And I'm so thrilled to be here today with you. Should we get into the word of God? Let's do it. Awesome. Come on, if you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Romans. We're gonna start in Romans chapter six. You can scroll there, you can flip there. If you don't have any of those things, I believe they're gonna have it on the screen for you because your team, can I tell you how good your team is here? I actually sent them other notes last week as requested. And then last night, I got excited yesterday when Pastor Justina was telling me how baptisms were happening today because I love water baptism days. It is such an incredible thing to see people take that public step of their faith. And I have a message that God gave me earlier this year that I think is gonna stir our hearts and our minds. And I got so worked up about it, I sent them new notes last night and they got it done anyway. How good are these, this crew? Come on. All right, Romans chapter six, starting in verse one says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? And we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your life. I celebrate the baptisms that have happened today, God, and I thank you for the word that you have spoken to me. God, I ask you that it come out with clarity and that it come out with strength and that it take root in our lives and produce fruit in the days ahead. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. So we already talked about Moses a little bit. Who knows a little bit about Moses? Moses is like that guy, remember he was in the basket and he got shipped down the river and Moses was out in the wilderness and Moses was a murderer and we don't like to talk about that part so much. And then Moses came back and he spoke to Pharaoh and there were plagues and he broke the mighty hand of Pharaoh until the people of God were released out of their centuries of slavery and sent towards their promise. This Moses who is like the, Moses is the man. He is the dude of our faith, right? It's like Abraham, Moses, and Noah. These three guys really round out the Old Testament for us and what we're doing in when we look back and go, who is Moses who came and said, let my people go? And Pharaoh releases the people towards their promised land. But when I think about Moses, I also have to ask myself the question, how did we get here? Why are we even in the place and in the position where the people of God have become captives? How did we get here? And I think the question, how did we get here, is an important question to ask ourselves all throughout life. When we come to these 
critical moments in our life to slow down and to take the time to ponder and to look back and say, and how did we come? I don't know if you've ever been at the absolute bottom, but you've found yourself in a place where you're on your knees and you're on the ground and you're on the floor and your heart is breaking and you have to ask yourself, and how did I get here? If I don't want to replicate the outcome that I've just found myself in, I have to take the time to say, and how did this business fail so miserably? How did this relationship come to the point of breaking? How is it that I found myself at the end of my wits? And what is it about where I'm at right now? And how did I come to be in this critical, broken place and position in my life? Too often we don't take the time to stop and to ponder and to wonder and to look back on the place we found ourselves in and simply ask ourselves the question, how did I get here? And if we ask it in that direction, we should ask it in the reverse as well. When we find ourselves on the mountaintop and when we find ourselves succeeding and when we find ourselves in faithfulness and goodness and in mercy to ask ourselves, and how did I get here? How do I replicate this moment of success in my life? And how do I package the goodness that has poured out in my life when we find ourselves finishing to the end and staying steadfast in less than ideal situations? When we find ourselves succeeding in a 40-year marriage, when we find ourselves building a business and then building another, we should ask ourselves the question, how did I finish my doctorate degree? And how did I not lose my mind when it looked like I could? How do I ensure that I can do this again? And more importantly, how do I ensure that I could tell somebody else how to do the same thing? How do I begin to replicate when we get at the worst moments of our life and when we get at the best moments of our life? I think it's worth taking a few moments to look back and to ponder, how did I get here? And when we think about the children of Israel, God's promised people who he put his hand on, the seed of Abraham, who he said, these are my people I have called you and I will bless the nations through you and the nations will be, these are the people who we are talking about who now find themselves in oppressive governing by the Egyptians, who now find themselves in bondage and in slavery, who now find themselves at the hand of a Pharaoh who refuses to let them go and who in a world can call their generations and claim their lives. How did they come to be here? And if we ask that question, we have to go back a little bit farther to Joseph. You know, Joseph and his colorful coat that let everybody know that he was his daddy's favorite. This is not a recipe for sibling fidelity. This is not a recipe for a happy home. Joseph's dad goes, I like that one best. I'm going to put a coat on him so his brothers never forget that I like that one best. 
And it's uncomfortable and we don't really like it, but the truth is that there's something about favor and there's something about leadership and there's something about calling that sometimes is going to put you in an uncomfortable position. And the question is, are you more committed to being comfortable around your peers or are you more comfortable to the position that God has called you to? There is something in Joseph that says, my brothers hate me when I wear this coat, but there's something about this coat that reminds reminds me that my dad sees something in me that I don't even see in myself yet. And so I refuse to take the coat off and he wears the coat anyways. And even though he wears this coat and even though it causes him to be an outcast among his brothers, he puts it on every morning because he says there's favor on my life and there's leadership in my life. And I have a dream on the inside and I don't know how it's going to come to pass yet. But if I keep wearing the coat, maybe the reality of what is here will become the reality of my life. And Joseph keeps wearing his coat to the point where his brothers sell him off to Egypt. They don't want to have nothing to do with it. And they're tired of looking, of it, looking at his favor. And they're tired about, of hearing about his dreams. And they don't want nothing to do with Joseph no more. So he finds himself off in Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he keeps failing and then he keeps succeeding and he keeps being cast off and then he keeps being raised up until the point where he is right there as second in command and he saves the people because he sees and he interprets a dream and when he interprets that dream he also then has a plan for how to save the people because famine is coming and when he saves the people because famine is coming those brothers who hated him find themselves at his doorstep because they have found themselves in hunger and they bring their whole family with them, and this is the critical part, is that they're hungry. And because they're hungry, they find themselves walking to Egypt. And they find themselves walking to Egypt to get a meal from the hand of Egypt. But they never left. They planted themselves in a place that was only supposed to be a temporary provision in your life. Let me tell you that the thing that you are hungry for will cause you to eat at tables that you were never intended to stay at. Let me promise you that an empty stomach and an empty soul will have you running in places and will have you eating from tables and eating out of hands that will cause you to compromise your life if you don't know how to find yourself satisfied in the things of God. If you have found yourself with an empty stomach and with an empty soul, you can find yourself at the place of compromise. You know this every time you go through a fast food restaurant. You're like, how did I end up here eating this food that is no good for me? But I'm hungry and it's expedient and so I'm willing to compromise. What are you hungry for and what's expedient that's causing you to compromise because the children of God find themselves walking into Egypt. Be careful what tables you eat at and be careful what tables you stay at because they walk themselves straight into a place where they are being provided for but they find out that they don't know how to walk themselves back out because bondage is very rarely a snap and grab situation. Bondage is a slow steady boil on your life that you thought you were okay and before you know it you don't know how to get back out of this thing and this is how the children of Israel find themselves they don't walk in and say sign us up and hook us up we'd love to serve you Pharaoh they walk in as free people they walk in given land they walk in as equals but steady 
steady over time, that boil turns up on their life and all of a the sudden they find themselves in bondage. That's how it works in your life. Sin doesn't come in your life very often as a snatch and grab situation. It's one slow, steady compromise at a time. It's a caffeine pill just on nights when I study. And then it's a little bit of Adderall just during finals week. And then it's a fake script just to help me get through my master's degree. And then it's an addiction that I don't know how to walk out of. And then they won't refill my subscription and my prescription anymore. And now I'm self-medicating with methamphetamines off the street. And now I'm barely holding on to a career that I fought so hard to get and that I worked my entire life for. And I walked into this place freely and I walked into this place on my own accord, but now I'm entangled. And now it turns out there's a chain that holds me here. And now I don't know how to walk. What have you walked yourself into that you don't know how to walk yourself back out of? This is the place in the position that the children of Israel find themselves in, that we walked in here freely to eat at a table but then we sat down and we planted ourselves in this place and now we don't know how to walk back out and in walks Moses their deliverer and God says through Moses I am sending you deliverance and there are plagues and there are pestilence and Pharaoh's hand is broken and he says fine send the people out and this is the part that you know. And the children of God go walking out. They go walking out in abundance and they go walking out covered in the riches and in the jewels and in the goodness of all of the land of Egypt, repaying them for the generations of work that they have done before. And they walk out and then they find themselves on the edge of the Red Sea. They find themselves in a place where they have decided to leave Egypt, which represents their bondage but on the edge of something that they're not quite sure how to walk forward into. They find themselves standing there and while they're standing there trying to figure out what is our next step and where do we go now, the sound of Pharaoh's chariots comes rolling behind them. The sound of the chariots comes racing because here is the thing about sin and about bondage. It might let you go, but it never wants you to be free. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh realizes what he's done and he realizes what's happening and that sin comes after them to ensnare them and to enslave them again because it wants them. Sin wants to have you. Evil wants to in bondage you. There's a scripture in Genesis that says it is crouching at your door. It is waiting for you and it wants to come for you and it wants to come for me. And the children of God find themselves free, but in danger of going back to where they came from and in danger of walking back to the thing. And this is the part, you know, this is the part movies have been made after and scenes have been made of because Moses takes his rod and in a hand and with the hand of God, he strikes the sea and the sea opens up in front of them. And all of a sudden, a highway of freedom opens before them. And the children of God who were in danger of walking back to Egypt and of being recaptivated, they walk through this water and in a group baptism. God moves the people of God from one side of that sea to the other side of that sea. And one by one, they walk through these waters. And when every single one of them has walked through the waters, God closes them up. And he says, your passage back to where you came from is closed. 
The passage back to the place of Egypt is no longer available to you. The passage back to where you just came from is no longer a route that you can take. These waters that you just walked through, these waters that you just moved through are a passageway and I have closed the journey back from you. You might wander in your heart sometimes and you might wander in your mind sometimes and you might remember with rose-colored glasses what it was to sit around and shoot up sometimes, but I promise you that that passage way is no longer available to you. The children of God have walked through these waters and when you walk through these waters there is something on the other side that is available to you and there is something on the previous side that is no longer available to you. When you walk through that baptismal pool today it is a public declaration that there is part of me that lived on that side that no longer lives on this side. That there is something that I was on that side that I no longer am on this side. That there are some things Things that were available to my life on that side that are no longer available to my life on this side. That there is a version of who I was before I stepped in the waters that is no longer the version of who I am when I came out on the other side. I don't totally know how to explain it and I don't totally know how to tell you why it happens. I don't totally understand the grand mystery of God but what I understand is that when I was on this side I was depressed and when I was on this side I was bound. When I was on this side I was addicted. When I I was on this side I was angry when I was on this side I was short-tempered when I was on this side there were things about me that were bound in bondage and there were things about me that were likely to pull me back to Egypt but I went in the waters and when I came out on the other side of those waters on this side I was free and on this side I was joy-filled and on this side I was sober and on this side I was in my right mind and on this side I said I'm gonna take a steady walk with God and he walks him through the waters and says who you were before you walked through is not who you are when you come out again. There is something about going through those waters that he says, I have closed that way back to you. There is no way for you to go back to who you once were because the passageway back that way has been closed to you. The passageway to get back to bondage has been closed to you. The route back to the place of your, of your oppression has been closed to you and it is no longer available because when my people walk through the waters, I walked with them and I closed the way back to them. And the other thing that happened when they walked through those waters is that Pharaoh and all of his chariots tried to follow him. But the waters closed on them. If you look back at Romans 6 verse 1 through 4 again, it says that we are baptized into his death kind of a weird combination. Why would we be baptized into his death? Unless you look at the etymology of the word baptism and the way that we understand words that are used in scripture is often by seeing how they were used in similar texts at the time. And this word baptism, this word baptism that in modern Christianity and in modern faith, we think of, you know, as being this public declaration. We think of water and we think of liturgy and we think of the, the sacraments that we have had practiced all throughout our faith. But this word baptism, if you look at it in other texts, is used as an example, as a, a context of in places where people drown in the waters. 
It's used if a ship sinks in the waters. The picture is because the waters in ancient texts had this life to them, had this this identity to them. The idea is that the waters swallow and consume the the person or the ship or whatever it is that's around them. And what, what Paul is trying to communicate to them is that when you go into the baptism, when Christ went into the grave, he called his crucifixion and his burial his baptism. He's saying to them that there is something that has to die in this place. He's saying to them that when you go into the waters, what I want you to understand is that there are some things that go down into the water that aren't able to come back up out of this water. There are some things that come into this water that are going to be swallowed by the power of this baptism, that are going to be swallowed by the power of these oceans raging. And in the way that I covered the chariots of Pharaoh. I'm covering the sin and the iniquity and the bondage that has tried to captivate your life. What he's saying to them is there are two versions of you that go down into the waters, but when you get back up out of these waters, just like when Jesus died on the cross and he went down into the grave, he said, I go down into the grave. And when I go down into the grave, I took hold of all of death and I took hold of all of sin and I took hold of all bondage and both of us went down into the grave but when he got back up he's the only one that rose from that grave he's the only one that rose in life he's the only one that rose in victory he's the only one when you go into the waters your sin and your iniquity and your bondage go down with you but they are swallowed and they are lost in the waters and the only one that comes back up is you made new is you walking in new life is you standing in the resurrection power of who Christ is. When you come out of the waters, you are a new creation. The old man has been left behind and the new has now come. When you come up out of those waters, you are raised into new life and you are raised into a resurrection power that is one with Christ and his crucifixion. He says, when you are baptized, I am swallowing all of the bondage that wants to have you. And when you come back up, you come back up in freedom and in life and in victory. This is what it means that we are baptized. I love baptism. Not because it's a thing that we do all the time. I love baptism, not because it's just a little game that we get to play, not because it's just a thing that we do in front of people, because it is a line in the sand to say, I am publicly declaring that this is the life that I now live. As we close, look at the rest of that verse with me. Romans 6, starting in verse 5. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like this, a death that takes every sin and bondage and iniquity down into the grave with you, then certainly we will be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that the 
we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die and death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is why we say yes to Jesus. This is why we walk into a baptismal pool and we say that the old me has been laid down and the new me has risen up again. This is the salvation that is available to each and every one of us. Earlier this year, my husband and I were traveling with those three little cuties that you saw up there on an airplane, which is a bunch of chaos. We were getting off of the plane and as we were on the exit bridge, my husband goes, oh my gosh, I lost my, I left my phone. We've got all the kids. And so he goes, let me come and let me help you get the kids settled. And as we get, I will do that and I'll run back and I'll get my phone. So we come out, we step right out of the bridgeway, off to the side. He puts bags down, make sure we have all of the children that we came with. And he turns around to walk back. And the flight attendant who was at the gate says, sir, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I just left my phone. And she goes, oh, you, once, you, once you come out here, you can't go back there. And he said, no, no, I just left my phone. I just came out, I just left my phone back there. And she said, I understand that. But once you leave the bridgeway, you can't go back. And he said, I wish that I could tell you that he was in all of his pastoral peace <laughs> at the moment. But he said to her, he said, are you telling me that if I would have turned around when I was here, I could have gone back to my seat and got it? But now that I'm on this side, I can't go back there? And she said, yes, sir, that's what I'm saying to you. And he said, no, no, no. This little inch mark right here, you're telling me that right here, I can go back, but right here, I can. She said, yes, sir, for your safety and the safety of others, once you cross that line right there, you are no longer permitted to go back the other way. For your safety and the safety of others, once you make this decision right here, you are no longer permitted. That life is not for you anymore. Those people are not for you anymore. Those habits aren't for you anymore. There is something new on this side for you. It might seem like an arbitrary line. It might seem like it doesn't mean anything to lift your hands in a service. It might seem like it's just an act, just a thing that we do to get into a pool. But I'm telling you that these things have meaning in heaven and all of heaven rejoices when you say, I used to be on this side, but today it seems like a small thing and it seems like it's just a tiny decision and it seems like it's just an inch, but I'm just gonna step on this side. And when I step on this side, everything changes. Everything that was on that side is no longer permitted to come on this side with me anymore. If today is your day that you're saying, I wanna live a life following Jesus and I'm just gonna make just one small step. I'm just gonna make one small move over. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are in your seats in this room where you are over there, lifting your hands straight in the air to say, today is my day to say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Today is my day to say, I have a life of following Him. Hands straight in the air saying, this is a day I see you loved, saying this is a day that I am following Jesus. This is my day. I want you to repeat these words after me. I'd love for everyone to do it with me because when you come into a life with Jesus, you also come into a life with His family. We say, Jesus, we come to you today knowing we've got a lot messed up. 
but we ask You to come into my life. I say that I'm letting go of a life led by me and I'm taking hold of a life led by You. Will You walk with me all the days of my life? In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, amen. Church, will you celebrate with me that people said yes to Jesus? I saw you back there. I saw you over there, love. Come on, it's a good day to celebrate who He is, and it's a good day for people to get baptized today, church. I love you.